Millennials are achieving freedom with new definitions of success. Our careers, relationships, education, family, even our politics look nothing like our parents. We're adopting what works and throwing out the rest. We are tired, but not worn, in our quest to get there. We Should Be Sleeping explores the things worth losing sleep over. Each week, we discuss the news and topics that keep us awake. Then, our guests share the intentional ways they've done it differently to achieve a new brand of success that's authentic, unconventional, and definitive of our generation. Not ready for bed? Neither are we. I'm Douglas Bonaparte. I'm Heather Bonaparte. Welcome to We Should Be Sleeping. Welcome back to We Should Be Sleeping. I want to start off this week with thanking everybody for sending in your hype songs. Yeah, they were great. They really were. It was a very hip-hop heavy list, but an eclectic list, I must say. I, I thought it came together pretty good. It really did. Anyway, I've created a public playlist on Spotify. It is called, I believe, We Should Be Sleeping Hype Songs. And we will share the link in the show notes for this episode, which is episode two. Yeah, that's a pretty self Explanatory title. Indeed. Anyway, uh, so something cool happened this week. Yeah. We got a great package in the mail. Yes, we did. Straight from the swamp in Gainesville, Florida, Douglas arrived. What? Yes, Douglas arrived. Me? A photo cutout of Douglas from college, which I gave him as a birthday gift. Right. The Florida Gators gave you an opportunity this year to purchase a cutout of yourself with very specific guidelines. It's actually very hard to find a photo. <laughs> so I sent a photo of Douglas from the national championship in 2008, I believe. Correct. I sent a photo of him and they printed him out on a giant cardboard cutout and he sat in a seat in the swamp for all the home games this season. Yeah, and you know what? I, I won't lie. When you first told me about the gift, and I'm maybe a materialistic kind of guy, so you know, I'm like, where, where's my thing? I was like, oh, that's really cool. I mean, she really thought about this, but like, I just wanted to say it was so much cooler when the gift came back, when I opened you know, the two pieces of cardboard it was pinned between. And I was like, you know what? This thing was there. It, it sat... Right. In the stadium for all of those games. And it arrived just in time. I think it came on Saturday just in time for the SEC championship game. The Gators got to go to the big game to, you know, lose to Alabama. It was fine. I knew that was going to happen. It was happen. a valiant effort, though. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't expect that outcome. Anyways, I just want to say thank you. I liked it a lot. You're welcome. It really kind of like hit home when it came home. Well, and you know, I have to say, I could tell at the time you didn't fully grasp the sentiment behind it when I did it. But there was something so cool when I pulled that off and they sent you an email earlier in the season with a photo of the section. And then I got to search the section and look for you. I was up there. And I found you. And it was like, I squealed with joy. I was so <laughs> excited to find you my college boyfriend, right? <laughs> like because it was literally a photo of Doug from two thousand. Yeah, you know, I was twenty three in that right, photo, or younger. I think you were even younger. To find you in the stands, it was just really, really cool. So anyway, the giant cardboard cutout arrived, yep. and he put it <laughs> in our living room, like right above our TV, to watch over the it family. Felt like I was living in a frat house all right. over again. And after about 24 hours, I said, we have got to move this thing somewhere else. This is getting super weird. Well, it was, it was there just for the game. I was okay with, uh, 
taking it down. And if you look over your shoulder, I actually put it over there. Oh, I know where your skin is. Scary. Say. Yeah. Anyway, we were all kind of joking. I said, so do we need to quarantine this thing or what? Because, <laughs> you know, we're it's straight off the plane from Florida. It's been partying a lot in he, college. He's got, like, he, he's got antibodies. Uh, he definitely has antibodies. <laughs> anyway, so speaking of antibodies, I guess, as everybody knows in the world, What's, COVID, go, what's co- going on? <laughs> There's a vaccine. There's a COVID vaccine. There's actually two of There's them. There's two. <laughs> There's two of them. There may be even more. There will uh, be more. And it has been covered constantly in the news over the last several weeks. And I can't seem to get enough of it, as I'm sure a lot of people feel similarly. So there's been a lot of articles about it. And they all seem to kind of cover the same topics and they provide a lot of answers they're answers to the same general questions that everyone already knows the answers to. Like, is it safe? Who makes it? We, they talk about mRNA technology, like whatever, yeah. you know, I don't care about the mRNA technology. I'm not going to lie. I don't care. Why? That's fascinating stuff. I just want the vaccine I'm and I want I it now. I know. Yes. Okay. I agree. So my point is, while I appreciate the same article and the same conversation happening, you know, 20 times a week uh-huh. on, on every news channel that we watch, I've got other questions that are not being answered by that, any of the articles or any of the mainstream media. That's right. We definitely have questions. And I, I think my first one is, do we get to choose which vaccine we get? Okay. I, I mean, I really doubt that we do, but I kind of want to know how that gets decided. Like there's Pfizer and Moderna. like, And perhaps others. There will be others. How what goes where? Who who gets what? And when you read all of this information about uh, which one's more effective, the way they're made. And the way they're stored and, you, and, and the opportunities for like something to go wrong in, this, yeah, in the process of delivering and executing. Like, do I get to choose? Well, yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, you're led to believe, you know, vaccines, vaccine, all are made equal. But they're literally not made equally. They're made differently. So that's my first you know, big questions. So these are truly the questions that are keeping us up at night. We really have been talking about this nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. To Heather's point, like I can't wait to get vaccinated. That's my stance on it. But you know, how's it going to work when a fair portion of the country is vaccinated and another portion of the country isn't there? There's probably a lot of big thinking that needs to go into this. Like as we get to more and more people, not just like the end result, but like as we go. Right. I think it's going to be a weird gray area of time. I mean, and I've thought about this from the legal standpoint too, you know, are employers and businesses and even events going to be allowed to legally ask you to show proof of vaccination to either come into an office to participate in an event. Uh, There's almost certainly going to be someone who tries to challenge this from a privacy standpoint. No question. You know, there was this Ticketmaster. I read somewhere. I don't know if they're really going to go through with it no, or no, if no. it's real. It, it turned or into was the, a proposal or yeah, what? it was kind of like that. It, it it got a lot of you know pushback. They put and, a they put a feeler out there basically. <laughs> whether they whether they purposely put a feeler out there, they ended up putting a feeler out there. Essentially, they they stated like you would need to show proof of vaccination to go any to any event you know run by Ticketmaster or or a negative test within yeah. forty eight hours. Yeah, so, some criteria to you know keep everyone safe and. Just the outcry from all different angles. Yeah, I think they kind of walked that back very quickly. But honestly, it still begs the question, how are you going to go to your favorite sports game or concert and keep everyone safe? Well, I think that a broader question is, 
how are we going to treat people differently when some people have it and other people do not? What's going to be okay? What is not going to be okay? And there's going to be just, there is going to be this weird period of time where it's a little bit of the haves and the have not. And I'm not talking about right now where obviously the, you know, the frontline workers and essential workers and healthcare workers and, and, and the elderly are all receiving their vaccines first. I'm talking about when this becomes more widely available. Right. And we get into some of these grayer areas about availability and really what in the world opens back up to you after you've received it. I think it's going to be just a weird time. Yeah, it's all very good points. And I guess the last thing I would bring up on this topic is who decided Congress should be the first getting their vaccines. I, I literally do not know. See, last I checked, both sides of the aisle have been holding up COVID relief bill for, for months. Preach, while it, preach, yeah, preach, preach. Yeah, I preach. mean, you got Americans out here kind of suffering, not kind of, actually suffering. But yeah, okay, y'all get to cut the line. And, you know, some folks are like, well, it's good because, you know, here you see all of these leaders getting, you know, their vaccine. That's going to be encouraging. But honestly, who who's looking to Congress for that kind of leadership right now, especially in light of how long it's taken to get relief bills. Like, I think we look more to state or local leaders, the president of the United States. Correct. I think like at the very top of the stack or very like localized is the way to go here. Not like all reps in Congress that. Right, it, it's just kind of feels like BS to me. I mean, I, I just feel like. Feels. It's just in your face BS is, is right. my take on I, it. I understand from a business continuity standpoint that mm-hmm. there are certain people at the top upper echelons of our federal government <laughs> exactly. who, who need to get this vaccine and that they fall outside the scope of the plan, of the CDC's plan of who's getting vaccinated first, but all of Congress. Yeah, like I feel confident knowing that the president Ugh. and vice president of the country are vaccinated and are not going to die from this virus. I'm not sure I care about, you know, said senator from somewhere. You know, I don't know if that just packs the same punch. I don't want anyone to get, you know, sick or anything like that. But anyway, who who said they get they cut the line here? I really don't know, but I'm I'm not here for it. Mm. But you know, to end this on a feel good note, please. I, just talking about the vaccine because I know that it's a very heated. It it could easily become a very heated topic. Not just that, but even COVID relief and like people have a lot of very strong opinions about. Yeah, this we're, is where we're kind we are. Of, we're kind of everyone is completely at the end of their rope, and I get that. Fatigue. But but I have to say this on a positive note. I've got really choked up watching the frontline healthcare workers get vaccinated right. these past two weeks or past week, really even. I have watched dozens of these videos. It is the best <laughs> holiday gift I could ever get. It is yeah. better than any crappy Hallmark movie. Just go online and watch nurses and doctors and the janitorial service at these hospitals. Watch these people get vaccinated and watch for the hope in their eye. It is, it, it, it nothing feels better than that. Yeah, I've, I've got choked up on on one of them. Won't, won't lie. So, okay. So speaking of the holidays, mm. it was our holiday, Hanukkah, and the kids got presents. And of course, they cried because that's what children do. <laughs> no, that's, back, back it up. So, <laughs> true. but That's but, what our kids do. I feel like this is more of a, of a saga here. And then you got to got to back the truck up here. Like, take us back to this marathon that you run. All right. From October forward. So Q4, right? Q4 for the Bonapartes, particularly for moi, it is like this nonstop marathon. 
Douglas's birthday is on Halloween. Boo. So every year I've got this dual responsibility of making Halloween happen for our children and likely a lot of their friends as well. Right. And also making sure that Doug has a memorable birthday <laughs> that is like adult and child friendly because his night is always hijacked by the children. Yeah, so, it's a tall order. So it's like a lot. I've got to host like some sort of either like real well, party or in the past or this year some sort of like pseudo virtual <laughs> You know, it's always something. It's, it's very lot. stressful. It's a lot. We go straight from that event. Right. I usually host Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which is a couple weeks later. What do you mean I? We. Thank you. We. Thank you. Last I recalled, I cooked the turkey. We all know that you cook the turkey, but that's like literally the only thing you do. I was your sous chef the entire day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, we do Thanksgiving a couple weeks later. Thanksgiving is the same weekend as our older daughter's birthday. Yay. So the same weekend that we're dealing with Thanksgiving, we ble- it bleeds right into her birthday. So there's like a birthday cake and presents at Thanksgiving. So another <laughs> holiday birthday combo back to back. Which I'm pretty much responsible two for two times two right or two and, to the power of two and then if we're lucky hanukkah comes early and comes like six days after hazel's birthday Love it. so as if all the attention from having her family around or calling her or sending her presents from thanksgiving wasn't enough and her birthday wasn't enough we then get to go into the eight days of presents and it, you know it's not eight days of presents it's Eight days of presents from your parents and eight from your grandparents too. Little trinkets that come in from the grandparents every night as well. It's nonstop, baby. It is like, and and then they she compares, you know, and 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 it's like, it's too she, much. It's just too much, and it's too much at once. And it's you know, my my child is is gracious. She is. Yeah, she, yeah. It's not she, a gra- it's not a gratitude thing. It's not a gratitude thing. It's just there is no perception of how like absurd this all is that you're getting so many presents right right right, right so right. she was crying before the first night even started okay <laughs> she took a look at the boxes on the floor and decided that ruby the baby had a bigger box right. than she had ruby's box was the big because bigger is better and meanwhile you know like five, baby toys better. baby toys are just like a giant box with like a small ball on the inside but it didn't matter <laughs> the box was the biggest right. and it was wrapped she was crying before the holiday even started last year she it. got to go to disney world it was a big surprise like huge you know there was this big thing she was going to disney world without her sister but she freaked out crying because when she opened the the little you know calendar with the date circled on it we were all cheering and clapping and and she started to cry and said we were all yelling at her. I mean, it's just, <laughs> just like, by the way, we have that on video. That's ultimate blackmail video, you know, for some day. So it has just been so exhausting. Ugh. So I have to say like, I am, I am very happy. I always look forward to the, this time of the holidays, which is like the, the Christmas and new year's Eve week, because my job here is done. It's wind down time. It, it, it is truly, I, I don't have to navigate any like weird you know, family dynamics, any more gifts with my children, no more disappointment. My job here is done. Congratulations. Thank you. You made it through another Q4 holiday, birthday, celebration bonanza. Thank you. Okay, so what we'd like you guys to do is why don't you write to us with what your child cried over this holiday season? I want to know, what was the most ridiculous disappointment that happened? We want to know. So go to the website. You can fill out the form at the bottom of the page at yep. weshouldbesleeping.com. Or DM us on Instagram. That's hit, fine. Yep. Or hit us up there. And we'll share some of your ridiculous stories later on in the season. Now, speaking of having a bright 
and colorful happy holidays and holiday season, today's guest is perfect for helping everyone do just that. Today's guest is Melissa Benache. She is the co-founder and CEO of Bake by Melissa, a mini cupcake empire in the New York City area with 14 locations and an exploding nationwide e-commerce business. She is the author of Cakes by Melissa, a cookbook that celebrates her beautiful baked goods and more. Welcome, Melissa. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks for being here. So, Melissa, I need to begin on a serious topic, tie-dye. Is it a trend or is it a way of life? Because this is a debate in our household. I mean, you're asking Melissa, so it's a way of life. But that's just because I'm obsessed with tie-dye, tie-dye is what inspired this whole entire company. So it's my way of life. It makes people happy. And I've been wearing tie-dye for as long as I can remember. I'm never going to stop. I completely agree with you. I think tie-dye is a way of life in this house as well. I may not have a business around it, but my heart bleeds (laughs) tie-dye. It has literally bled into my life as well. (laughs) It's been forced upon you. (laughs) Anything we can do these days to make people happy, it's super important. And I think tie-dye does that. It's bright. It's colorful. It brings you to a time in history, the 60s and 70s with like big change and revolution. And I don't know. It's just all encompassing of happiness, just like our bite-sized cupcakes. I am so with you. I am so with you there. So anyway, let's take a trip back down memory lane to the summer of 2008. And I can tell you where I was during the Great Recession. I had just lost all my law firm interview prospects after my first year of law school. And Melissa, as the story goes, had just lost your job in media planning. So what was your favorite bar to cry at in Murray Hill? Because I know I had a few. (laughs) That's so funny. I actually lived on 34th and 2nd. There was a bar across the street, something with ladder, crooked ladder, maybe something like that. It had outdoor space. I don't know. I'm not a crier. Honestly, I was fired from my job, not because of the recession. I was fired because I wasn't good at my job or passionate (laughs) about the work I was doing. And it showed. Plot twist. The timing was kind of right to do what we did with Bake by Melissa. I think you could do everything right and timing could be wrong. And so so we just had the right combination of doing everything right with the right timing. So one could argue, I guess, that losing your job may have been the best thing that happened to you. So if you could walk our listeners through those first few months right after losing your job. So I was fired because I sucked at my job. At the time, I felt that it was an unjust thing that happened, but I knew I needed to take responsibility for my own happiness. So obviously, when you get fired, it really stinks. I went right to my brother's office crying. He actually said, go home, bake your cupcakes. We'll start a business together. We're best friends. We always wanted to start a business together. At the time, I was known for baking my tie-dye cupcakes. So I listened. I went home, baked cupcakes, because at the time, I was known for baking my cupcakes, my tie-dye cupcakes specifically. I baked them for everyone and anyone because it made me happy to create things for people I love, which in turn made them happy, which is actually what made me happy. And I really liked the process. So I knew I needed to take control of the way that I felt. I went home, I baked cupcakes, decided to do tie-dye, of course. I baked four batches that night, the night I was fired. Tie-dye, cookie dough, peanut butter cup, and s'mores. And 
I sent them into work with my best friend's little sister who was staying with me for the summer and interning at a PR agency. The owner of the PR agency the very next day saw the cupcakes, loved them, and wanted to put me in touch with her caterer. I actually got a call with this very well-known caterer in Manhattan the day after I was fired because he wanted to bring me in for a tasting of my cupcakes. That sounds crazy, I know. It sounds like I'm the luckiest girl in the world. It's like serendipitous. Yeah, I mean... I'm very goal oriented. And when I sent Carly into work with the cupcakes, I was hoping that Allison, the owner of the PR agency would see them and try them. That was my goal. And then she did and put me in touch with her caterer. I went right back to my brother. I ran across the city to his office on 38th and 8th. And I said, Oh my God, I just got a tasting with Allison's caterer. We have to go in there. Like we have a business already and he could be a part of it. That was the opportunity I saw there. At the time, my brother was actually He had just started an interactive agency with our childhood friend, Matt. Matt is a creative genius. My brother is an entrepreneurial genius and Matt's an entrepreneur as well. And they were building websites for people. So my brother insisted. So we needed a name and a logo basically to start this business or to go in there like we already had one. I wanted the company to be called Baked, a natural extension of myself at the time. But my brother (laughs) insisted it have a personal tie. The name of that PR agency is Allison Broad PR. And my brother said, like, you wouldn't even know who Allison is if her name wasn't in the name of her business. Touche. That's a good point. So we settled on Baked by Melissa. And that was perfect to me because I get to get everyone baked by Melissa. And his co-founder, Matt, was fiddling around on his desktop, turns it around, says, what do you think of this as the logo? Literally created the logo we have today in five minutes. I cried of joy when I saw it because if I was a logo, that would be me. I used to call <laughs> Matt my brother from another mother. We're all very close and grew up together. And so for the tasting with the caterer, I stopped at the Clover Deli right across the street from my apartment. I actually used to go there every day and buy two normal-sized cupcakes. They knew me by name. And if you're a New Yorker, you know how cool that is when your corner deli knows you by name. And they said, what can I get you today, Melissa? What flavors? I was like, no, no, no. Just can I have some flat pastry boxes? They gave them to me. I went home, glued the logo on them, and then brought the cupcakes to the caterer. He took a bite of each one. He loved them. He said, from a catering perspective, I see people freak out over these like little teeny tiny things. If you could figure out a way to make them even smaller than these mini cupcakes. Oh my God. And so I saw that as another opportunity and I had to achieve that goal of making them just the bite. So from his apartment, that tasting, I combed the streets of New York looking for a way to make them just the bite. I figured it out. It was a pain in the freaking ass to say the least. Sorry, but I did it. And so I brought the cupcakes just the bite to the caterer. He said, these are amazing. I am doing an event on Spring Street in two weeks, wear all black and bring me 250 cupcakes. I did. And in that two week period of time, we actually created a website, bakedbymelissa.com. So we did have e-com before anything else and ordered business cards that had my name, my home address, my cell phone number, and our new website, these beautiful images that we shot on my Ikea coffee table. (laughs) Whatever it takes. But by the time I did this very first event, you could go to bakedbymelissa.com and order 100 cupcakes or more using PayPal to be delivered, baked by me out of my apartment and delivered using the subway anywhere in Manhattan. Wow. The website had this beautiful jewel-worthy photography that, again, we shot on my Ikea coffee table. And that first event I did was actually an Allison Broad editor preview for the Javianas, the flip-flops and 
We displayed my cupcakes in this acrylic jewelry box. I put a stack of my business cards in front of them. And I mean, I mean, these women, these like fashion ladies were just losing their crap over oh, these I'm little sure. cute bite-sized cupcakes. And that's how I started getting business from the very beginning. I would do events, put business cards down. People would call me, go to bigbymelissa.com, place orders. It was a very manual, mundane, if you could imagine, like operation. My brother was like really the visionary for the business. And I was baking and doing all the like work from my apartment and delivering and going on tastings. And that's how we built the business. I worked out of my apartment for seven months. That was my next question. So this all happened within several months, really. It's really unbelievable. So you became basically an overnight wild success story. And you've got a proven concept and you've got demand. I've told this story thousands of times, actually, which is kind of crazy. It's been over 11, almost 12 years. It happened rather quickly because the product was so unique and perfect for people like me who just love dessert and want to try every flavor without feeling like they're eating two giant cupcakes like I was at the time. But it was really hard. And I mean, the challenges were all constant. And I don't think I make it sound like it was really easy, but it wasn't seeing the way some people have responded to the story, it's important to say that. Yeah, of course. And so that was actually one of my questions about, yes, it may appear as though there was this overnight success story and that you were at the right place and the right time. A lot of work went into it. And also, we can't forget, again, that this was at a time of a terrible economic environment. So when you saw the demand and you were starting to feel the success, how did you decide what to do next, meaning like what gave you the confidence to say, this really is a proven concept. I'm going to take this brick and mortar and open my first store. So the answer is everybody else. That confidence did not come within myself. And I am very fortunate to really have a big brother who has always believed in me. And together we founded Baked by Melissa and he was our CEO for the first eight years we were in business. It's his vision he believed in the concept well before I did. I knew I had the opportunity to do what I love every day. And I surrounded myself with people who had skills that I didn't. Not only my brother and Matt, his business partner, who not only designed the logo, he created our website and designed our retail locations. And the aesthetic of our brand, it's Matt, inspired by me. And Brian, of course, and He knew what was possible. I remember walking on 23rd Street with Ben, the caterer, who became my third co-founder, and looking, he was peering into an empty storefront location, and he said, we could open a store like this. Let's look. Maybe this could be our first location. And at the time, I so remember being like, that's crazy, the fact that we could have a retail location. And now we have 14, and we should have more, and we will. And I think... Surrounding myself with people who believed in me and Baked by Melissa at a time that I didn't, I had imposter syndrome. That was my next question. Do you think that there's a bit of imposter syndrome there? And I feel like it's so common, especially for young women, to just even you could be tasting success and it's hard to even believe it. Tasting Without success? Without question. There wasn't a pun. That wasn't intended to be a pun, but okay. I guess it was. Just making sure. I used to think that the focus women have on the way we're treated is part of the problem. And that is not true. I was wrong. I was young and naive, but my outlook is just unique where I've learned over time that women are without question treated differently than men. I let it drive me. If somebody treats me differently because I'm a girl, I'm like, you go dumb. Watch this. So it invigorates me and only drives me to do more. But I think 
one of the biggest differences between men and women, a lot of men and women, obviously not everyone's like this. Men are overly confident and believe they can do anything to a fault. Sorry, Doug. And speak on behalf of that. Me and my husband, it's the same. Women need to like prove it to themselves. I didn't have that confidence. And I've learned over the past 12 years that I should. And I think that confidence is earned through your experience. So today I am a confident leader of my company and I know how to make decisions and trust my instinct and continue to surround myself with a team of people who are better and smarter at their focus in our business than I am. And that is probably one of my greatest strengths. I can tell you when I don't know something, I can push when I do, and I can defer to my team, ask questions and listen. I don't think a lot of people are like that. I agree with you 100%. So let's fast forward from that origin almost a decade. And as you mentioned, there are 14 locations in the New York City area. Your products are available to ship across the country. You're the author of a cookbook. Obviously, a lot has happened. But let's talk about the star of the show for a second, the cupcakes. And you went into it a little bit, but for our listeners, allow me to describe from the customer's perspective, these are the cutest little artisanal unwrapped morsels of joys and flavors <laughs> you literally would not believe. And I'm under the impression here that you've personally created every flavor. That's correct. That's what I love most. So first question I have is, what are your personal favorites? Well, right now we have a hot cocoa flavor for holiday. I just think it embodies everything I am. And in high school, I was the girl who would be at my best friends who has the best food and like make these crazy concoctions. And so this hot cocoa flavor, I literally took hot cocoa mix because I love the bottom of the hot cocoa. And like, if you haven't made hot cocoa goo by just putting a little bit of hot cocoa mix and some milk in a cup, you need to try it. And so that's what's so fun. That's not even work to me. It's what I've always been doing and why it's funny that I'm Melissa baked by Melissa. So anyway, this hot cocoa cupcake, the icing is hot cocoa mix instead of sugar in the icing. And it's so freaking good. And it tastes like the bottom of the mug and it's stuffed with marshmallow fluff oh my or God. it's topped with a mini marshmallow and overstuffed. I'm sorry, with gooey dolce de leche, because obviously who wouldn't want a caramel hot cocoa? Everybody wants. We will need to try. Douglas, we need to try. I will be copying these. The flavors are what I think about when I'm going to sleep at night. Blondie, brownie, tie-dye, of course, just like fun stuff, cookie dough, cookies and cream, all the different holiday flavors. I always ask myself, what time of year is it? What do I think of? Like, what do I want to eat? What reminds me of my childhood during this holiday? What did we used to do? And then I just translate that into the perfect bite. From the customer standpoint, when you walk in or when you're scrolling all the menu offerings, you say like, I really am craving some of these flavors. Like, oh my God, I never thought that I'd be able to get a little snack of that flavor. It really plays to your, I guess, cravings and indulgence. It really does. I mean, yeah, give me that peanut butter and jelly all Love those. Those are our favorite. Long. That's one of my favorites. I think we do a lot of things right. Our packaging is equally as unique as our bite-sized cupcakes. It keeps our product perfectly safe and fresh in transit. So find me another cupcake company that could literally ship all over the country and have the cupcakes arrive just as fresh as they were when they left the bakery. And we ship next day, you get them. They're so moist and delicious. It's really an incredible experience. And 
trying every flavor, watching my kids hover around a 25 pack of our cupcakes and pick and know that they could have like four. That's the coolest thing ever. It's literally whether you're two, four or 34, the child comes out of you. And during times like this, especially it's so incredibly important. I agree. And so you've touched upon it, but let's focus on it for a second. The fact that these are bite-sized, as a woman who has lived with other women, every woman I've ever shared another apartment with, we've gotten a dessert, especially in the city, and we have all picked at it. Everybody just wants a taste. Everybody wants one bite. You feel guilty eating the whole thing. You have really disrupted this market commercially in the world of desserts by saying you really can try a little taste of everything and you're actually getting a complete dessert in a bite. And that to me is just from the minute I first, not to fangirl for a second, but it's true. I mean, I remember when your window was open, I was living in the city when you had that first window open and I thought, this is brilliant. Thank you. This is really playing to a demand of women and now of kids of anyone. Every girl I've ever met just picks apart their sandwiches or immediately <laughs> dives to the bottom of the chip bag to, get the, to get the little pieces. Actually, not this girl. You're not that girl. No, I am not. You watch me eat anything. That I is refreshing. I really love my food. I know what I'm eating for dinner now because well, so I'm do always we. thinking about that stuff. But I agree. So it solves the problem for those people and then gives the people like me a chance to try every flavor without being incredibly gross, which take me out to dinner. You really can't take me anywhere. I'm ordering every dessert on the menu. I don't care. And now more than ever, I can because it's part of my job. We're over orderers habitually at restaurants. So I have to flip this around for a second and ask you about the flavors that never made it to production. The lost flavors. Give us a Costco toothpick size sampling <laughs> of a regrettable creation. I want an abomination creation <laughs> that you're comfortable sharing. Like, Cool Mint Listerine by <laughs> Melissa. It's so funny. There are probably like, there are actually two flavors. So we're certified kosher, which is great. And like, you can't tell, just it's a pain in the butt for me to make sure that every ingredient we use is kosher certified, but it is. And that's great and allows us to appeal to more people. I did want to do a bacon flavor. Obviously we're kosher. Yeah, that's what I thought. I used like smoke, like a smoke like flavoring. Smoke, right? Yeah, I didn't even try it. I had other people try it. It wasn't good. And then I also did actually two flavors that we did bring early on. One was chocolate banana, but we used an artificial banana flavor, which we have never done since and will not because it tasted like artificial. Real quick on that, and this is totally off the cuff here. I personally believe that the flavor of banana is one of the hardest, if not most impossible flavors to duplicate, specifically in candy. Only banana Laffy Taffy, I think, has gotten there, and maybe banana runts. But virtually everything else I've had, banana is chemicals. Agreed. So we don't use any fake fruit flavoring ever. Banana took me a while to master, so we actually replaced the liquid with pureed banana in the cake. So Real banana. You could do, do that. My banana cake recipe and cakes by Melissa is just that. It's my vanilla cake recipe. And then you take banana puree and you replace the milk and it's so damn good. And then for icing, you can't do that because the amount of liquid you would add would make it runny. So you could actually take freeze-dried bananas or freeze-dry your own and 
turn them into a powder and add it to a vanilla icing. And that's how you get real banana flavor. We may icing. have to try that at home. I'm a cook, but I am not a great baker. And we've been trying to change that over our time staying at home. You're getting there. Just follow the recipe. Just follow the recipe. Because people like you, you just don't have the confidence you need. Like you just need to follow the recipe. You're too much of a creative, Heather. No, but that's the problem is that I'm more of the improvisational cook in the kitchen. So when I make dinner, I'm just kind of like, I see what I have. I go with it. I'm not afraid to experiment. But when it comes to baking, I've just had so many fails from like doing something like a little bit off, getting my measurements a little bit off. But this is all very motivating. I will try again. So fortunately... There are too many good flavors to choose from. There are. Because your desserts have moved beyond your brick and mortar locations. And I know it started with e-commerce, but it goes far beyond brick and mortar to pretty much every home in the country. And I read somewhere, I think in 2019 it was, that your e-commerce business outperformed retail locations. Can you kind of dive into what that particular moment was like to know that your pride and joy here is all over the map, literally? That's nice of you to say, but it's not. We have so much opportunity. We know where we ship our product and we ship it definitely in the tri-state area, Chicago, LA, Texas, like all the big cities, but there's still so much opportunity. We are not a household name and we should be. It's funny because yes, we did ship probably like what, 51% of revenue came through shipping to retail, but now that split is 70-30 due to the global pandemic that we are in. And no time, no time to be like, this is all great because it's not. It's very challenging. There's always opportunity to do more, to get better, to bring in additional revenue. And I mean, ask anyone on my team. I'm like losing my mind over here. Like, what more can we be doing? Like, yes, we've been able to pivot. And my team is freaking incredible, man. I could not be more proud. We literally went from a business that did 50% of our revenue at e-com and 50% at retail to a business that did 100% of our revenue through e-com overnight without blinking. It's amazing. And because of obviously having to close our stores due to the global pandemic, which we did before anyone said we had to, and technically we never had to because we're classified as an essential business because we're food, but we do like people's safety, the safety of our customers. And of course, our team is our top most priority. So we did a lot of things on that front, spent a lot of money in our bakery to make sure people could come to work feeling safe. I love that. And I'm here right now because I do whatever I need to do to get the job done. But I think we have so much opportunity. We have an incredible product, a brand that makes people happy and resonates with people. We can get you baked by Melissa, whether you live in New York or LA or Waldrug, South Dakota. And it's wonderful. It's incredible. It's really, really something. So you spoke a little earlier about your brother, Brian, who encouraged you and has been your cheerleader and your co-founder from the start. And he's really been with you from day one of this journey for many years, as have other friends and family been there to support you and give you that confidence, including your now husband, I understand. And so we have a bit of experience working together as spouses. Yeah. So real quick, I've experienced both or rather working with family in a number of ways with my own father was where I started my career. And that was an avenue that did not work out. It became incredibly toxic and ultimately would leave the family business. And then I've had numerous projects with Heather over here, which while stressful at times, 
writing a book with your spouse is probably one of the more stressful things I've experienced. It was well, well worth it. So what I'd like to know is what is it about working with friends and family that just works so well for you? Like, how does this make because you it's the clearly best a choice. entrepreneur? I mean, meaning it's clearly a choice of yours to work with family and friends. So I guess walk us through what are the best parts of that for you? So I said it recently and it's true. The hardest part of starting a business and growing a business is managing the relationships. And when you're working with people you love, it's even more challenging. It has taught me so much and actually made me the person I am today. I met my husband the day we opened our very first retail location. It was a little pickup window attached to a cafe. He was actually bartending and he looked at me and he said, you're going to be my wife. And I was like, you're a douche. Who says that? <laughs> Confidence. <laughs> nice. But, oh, wow, I fell in love with him so fast. And I wound up hiring him. And because I needed help, I was a 24-year-old running this bakery, basically, with zero experience at retail. He started helping me with deliveries. And then I found out he could ice cupcakes. And the two of us iced cupcakes together every single day. That's how and where we fell in love. You put him to work. If you purchased a cupcake between July 2009 and like 2012, D or I iced it. That's such a cool story. So do you think it's harder or easier to tell a loved one if they're not cutting it or if you're disappointed in them? Because we are hard on each other. It's an entirely different conversation. So for D and I, when we were falling in love, I was dealing with other challenges. I mean, I have four co-founders who are male and older than me, one of which is my older brother. So of course there are challenges there. There's a dynamic there. And I mentioned, like, I didn't have the confidence in myself I have today, but I always stood true to who I was and followed my gut. And a lot of the time that did mean staying silent and being respectful. And sometimes I wasn't. <laughs> so Dee and I didn't really have those challenges until later in the business. So when we opened our second retail location, we moved the bakery to New Jersey so we can have one central baking location and ship out of it and distribute to the stores. And the two of us together actually got the bakery up and running. That was in March of 2010. And that was definitely challenging. But again, I think there were just so many different dynamics that like each one had its own challenge. And I think part of the reason my husband and I are so freaking close, like we spend so much, like way more time together than any other husband, wife I know. That's how we are. And people always say, don't you ever get sick of each other? You're always working on all these projects. You're doing the podcast, you're doing this and that and business. And do you ever feel like people give you that? I don't know if you've ever received this advice and I'm curious because people say this to us unsolicited all the time. They say, maybe you two just need to find some space, find some space to relax. You two never relax together. But is there such thing as that balance when your partner's with your husband? Well, everyone tells us we should go away because we've actually never, we have not gone away, just the two of us since my kids were born. But that's a story for another day. That has nothing <laughs> to do that. with work. No, I feel that but completely. It's okay. I think we had the unique opportunity to grow up in this business together, like it, going through the same challenges and wins. The challenges at times were more challenging because we were both in it together, but that makes the learnings and the wins even sweeter. And 100%. we did go through some of the same challenges personally growing and in, in the business. And I think that's incredibly unique. And I think kept me sane 
at times. And all of the success that you experience is something you experience as a family and you and him and your daughters. And there's something really sweet and wonderful about having those victories before your family. That's something that we really enjoy as well. We appreciate that a lot over here. And just to pivot real quick, I read in an interview you did for a blog. I love this, by the way. You said something that we've actually written about in the context of retirement in our book. That's a word I air quoted that no one can see. You said, quote, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I don't work towards retirement. I don't want to be doing nothing. I think that doing something that makes you feel fulfilled at the end of the day is truly what success means. And I definitely feel fulfilled at the end of the day. Melissa, are you living the millennial dream? (laughs) I mean, I think everyone has a different dream. For me, I know it makes me tick. I love working hard towards things I love. That is my definition of success. I have the incredible opportunity to work hard towards Baked by Melissa and my family. And I wouldn't change that for the world. And quite honestly, in the midst of this global pandemic, I have people coming up to me saying, wow, you have it the hardest. You have two small kids. You're running a business. I said, are you kidding? They give me a sense of normalcy. I'm so busy. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I love it. But everybody has different. I spoke to like my high school boyfriend and he was like, so you're going to sell the business? I was like, what? Like, why? Why? Yeah, why? why? This is my child. I love what I do. I hope to always have the opportunity to work hard towards things I love. And I have enough trust and confidence that I love change. And it's awesome. I love it. That is my attitude. The reason we are here is because I see every challenge as an opportunity to learn and grow. That was my approach to the day I was fired. And that is my approach to every frustrating situation we find ourselves in here at Baked by Melissa. If something fails or something bad happens, it's awesome because you have the opportunity to learn and grow and make it better. and And do whatever. Right. Exactly. That truly is the recipe for success. And we generally believe that this notion of retirement, like in the sense of how our parents put it out there is not really what we're striving for. What our generation looks for. I think that, and this sounds like what you're saying too, I mean, if we can find meaning in our daily lives and have financial freedom really to pursue it, that's what we're working towards. So I guess I would ask, having achieved so much of that already, does Baked by Melissa continue to evolve or does Melissa, I know this is heady, or does Melissa the person continue to evolve. I think he just means like, what's next for you in the (laughs) business? You're so funny. So I don't think we've achieved it. I think that it's crazy that we're where we are 12 years. It's great. And there's so much of a reason why. And we're doing so many things. We have so much opportunity. That's what keeps me up at night. I've been really working on my team. We have the best team ever. And we always have, but we're growing our team. I think Being able to pivot the way that we did in the global pandemic taught me a lot, gave me more confidence in my ability to lead the company. And we did market research and they came back with, yeah, like the future of the company is in Melissa's heart and soul. She is the mascot, the brand, whatever you want to say. And I am so thrilled to be in my role and to have the opportunity to take us through the next phase of our growth. You ain't seen nothing yet. So cool. We have what it takes and I could not be more excited. 
That's the tie-dye energy right there. That is tie-dye energy. It's so refreshing to hear someone that just believes in their business so much. I mean, it's just, it's really cool. It's super inspiring. I'm jealous, honestly. (laughs) Well, we have to get through Q4. So right now our top most priority is Q4 execution. It's what I'm working towards every single day and I'm never satisfied. We can always do more. We could always do better and I'm making everyone crazy, but they love it. They love it. And then immediately after we go big on our long-term business strategy and that is what excites me most. I can't wait to get there. But I can't because I have to focus on Q4 execution because, of course, I make it sound like we're doing great. I mean, we're in a global pandemic. This is do or die right here. We could screw. We could do everything right and something could go wrong and we could get screwed for life. Got to execute. But I believe like I believe in this team. I believe in our product. And it's so fun. It's so fun. This is what life is about. To that point about Q4. I only have one thing to ask, and this has all been so great. I think we're down to my last question and our most important question that we ask all of our guests. What is it that keeps you up at night? I already said what keeps me up at night once today. What was it? So I think like a blessing and a curse for me is that I get things done quickly. Like if I'm on the phone or on a call and something little needs to be done, I'm just going to shoot the email out. And so we are not moving fast enough. But of course, I think I move faster than most people and that's good. But of course we need the structure and we need to do things right and what that balance is. And then also, oh my gosh, we just have so much opportunity and prioritizing because you can't lose focus. You can only have one top priority. And right now that's Q4 execution, but there's so much more. And so my head is spinning in the best way, but that's where I am every night. CBD. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it takes. Got to do what you got to do here. And I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. We told our daughter that we'd be speaking with you, who obviously is a mega fan. And now somehow we owe her some cupcakes. So we'll be ordering them tonight. Including some of those hot chocolate ones. I mean, that's like. We know where to get them. But where can our listeners go to find you, your cupcakes, and everything that is baked by Melissa? Go to bakedbymelissa.com and order cupcakes today. They make the perfect gift. The holidays look different this year. We don't necessarily have the opportunity to celebrate together. Send cupcakes, make people happy. And I mean, just wait and see the thank you you get when they get baked by Melissa. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thanks, guys. Okay. That was great. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, you're busy and we appreciate you taking your time out of your very hectic schedule. We get it, kids, businesses. It's a lot. Podcasts. Dealing with a lot. (laughs) CBD oils. This is fun. It's like a nice break and now I have to go back to my team and get you done. I believe you. I believe it. Yep. Thank you so, so, so much. I don't want to keep you any longer. Yeah, we'll let you go. And we'll keep you posted with everything. You're really one of the first recordings in the can here. We're trying to thread the needle here with COVID and the holidays, and we want to get everyone that's on the show. We're being a bit strategic because of the election noise, really, like... You really don't want to know, get too involved crazy. with that. And so I'm hoping that we'll be able to launch in the next couple of weeks, closer to the holidays when people can really like slow down and enjoy. Love life cool graphics, stuff you can share, but we'll keep you posted. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Can't thank you enough. Of Glad course. we have a nice thank circle you. of friends. You guys here. too. Thank you for having me. All right, no we'll check you soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you for staying up with us and checking out We Should Be Sleeping. Connect with us on social media, subscribe to the podcast, and learn more at we should be sleeping.com. We'll see you next time on We Should Be Sleeping. We should be sleeping.